Welcome to Solomon's Knot, finding truth and wisdom in an information age. Today's guest is Jared, a student of computer science at NC State University, who is formerly on this show. You can find links to our previous episodes in the show notes. What was supposed to be a follow-up discussion on AI, robots, and blockchain technology delved into deeper discussions on Christ's divinity and whether hell was a real place or not. Like the previous interview with Jared, I decided to break this discussion into two parts, so please make sure to follow along with the conclusion of this episode in the coming weeks. Now, without delay, let's get to our guest. We got Jared back here. We previously interviewed you for not only the voices, but we did a two-part special with Solomon's Knot on artificial intelligence. And uh, it's funny, we reached out recently and we wanted to keep the conversation going. I think we want to talk about like robotics and maybe some cryptocurrency. Actually, I wanted to maybe unpack more of Isaiah, pretty interesting figure that we had uh, discussed previously about prophecy and maybe some of the the predictions that he has made about our culture and maybe some of the implications there. And actually, I, I saw a special on fusion technology and I saw a pretty neat little parallel to our own human nature and, and so things we can kind of look at in the uh, maybe the scientific realm and, and some of those processes but all right yeah thanks for thanks for having me it's good to be back have some interesting conversation about technology meaning of life maybe God who knows yeah all right great um, so what can you tell me just to catch up everyone from the last interview we did uh, we talked about artificial intelligence uh, I think we did a pretty good job at summing up the major parts there, but I've noticed that, um, or at least when we did follow-ups, you were interested in talking about some of the more automated aspects of robotics. So we're talking about machine learning or some of the, maybe some of the research you're doing currently and maybe some of the things that you want to do as you're looking at graduating here in the near future. What would you like to contribute in your field and, and how do you think that the conversations we're having might inform that? How about that? Yeah. So I'm going to take the what do I want to contribute in my field. I've been thinking a lot about fun and love as they relate to just kind of like human existence and I feel like a lot of work and a lot of day-to-day -day tasks aren't necessarily fun. So I don't know, I've been thinking about, for example, robots. One of my current projects is to try to recreate a robot from one of my favorite shows called Adventure Time and his name is Bimo and I think it's probably one of the greatest characters ever created. But basically, the character embodies like uh, fun and creativity and like a partnership with humans as a robot. And I think that's kind of, if anything, I want to contribute to having like a positive, loving, and fun relationship between humans and technology. It's a good point to say. I mean, we see some of this in like, you know, Star Wars and, you know, some obviously in maybe like certain science fiction films, whether uh, it was Lost in Space, you know, you have the proverbial robot pets, uh, maybe Bicentennial Man, where there's a practical application of the robot, he does housekeeping and, uh, or, or I say it is somehow involved in within, you know, your normal day-to-day -day life. Let's, let's say this. What do you envision the technology ultimately being able to accomplish and how do you see it potentially interacting with human beings or maybe informing the way that we live in the future? Do you see it? Because you mentioned about fun and love. These are very abstract, philosophical, even metaphysical you know, type questions because we can't measure those. Yeah right? Those are subjective in nature. Um, what do you see the technology doing for you and how does that answer maybe some of the fundamental questions you have about your life and where you want to go? So I think kind of the purpose of technology is to expand the realm of human capability. And you sent me some articles and I was talking a lot about like, are robots going to replace human jobs and things like that? And I think the ultimate goal isn't to replace jobs, even though that might happen initially. But 
right now humans are very limited in what we can do and our consciousness is even limited i think the the greatest good it can bring is to increase our capabilities as a species both physically whether that's like harvesting rocks from a planet you know a thousand light years away or something you know way off in the future to like increasing our consciousness and i think robots in like the more immediate term they're definitely necessary for things like being able to navigate through space humans are incapable of doing that at a large high speed scale you need some sort of artificial intelligence something to do all those navigations for you so i think the purpose of this technology is to help decrease suffering by increasing like resource allocation getting rid of dangerous jobs for humans and uh, kind of helping aid our betterment as a as a species uh, that's like the very optimistic view there's also the other side of that where like you know robots star wars they're gonna be good and then you have like the dune where it's machines were outlawed because they tried to overthrow the humans terminator kind of stuff um those are all robots as well so we can kind of discuss both of those i mean even in a very practical sense look at all the bots that are going out in whether they're uh, stealing people's personal information or there's all these different fake social media accounts it, essentially there's already so much quote-unquote artificial intelligence out there that's doing destructive things but it's in a very minor way it, it compared to like hey these things are actually running our economies or they're augmenting uh, certain military capabilities like missile defense fence or things like that uh, so that's kind of maybe like a whole different conversation i did want to actually talk about this real quick because we mentioned this about how ai robotics and things will potentially be replacing jobs so the article i sent you says uh these are the few that i stuck out from a, a reason to be hopeful we will adapt to these changes by inventing entirely new types of work and by taking advantage of unique human capabilities this is what the technology does essentially uh maybe some things to be concerned are uh, certain highly skilled workers will succeed wildly in this new environment people like you jared uh but far more maybe displaced into lower paying service industry jobs at best or permanent unemployment at worst this is from pew research this one this one actually is particularly uh, ominous our educational system is not adequately preparing us for work uh, in the future and our political and economic institutions are poorly equipped to handle these hard choices so um you know that's like kind of more of a broader conversation how are different nations uh, equipping their uh, future generations obviously investing in their education investing into these technologies um but here's something you know if, if we try to look back in time and we try to like it, it's almost not fruitful to be able to do that because we can't go back and try to fix we only have today forward and how we can implement changes now i'd heard a conversation recently about cryptocurrency and maybe this would be a good segue back into that uh and how blockchains and, and a lot of these uh, newer technologies are creating um, highly equitable spaces where anybody can get into this space now and create and there's a high level of transparency um, but there's also a lot of ambiguity in terms of the ethics in terms of the uh, responsibility that institutions people we've seen these exchanges get hacked uh, people fold them up essentially and wipe out people's accounts we see a lot of cyber attacks and espionage and things in this area so but um, in terms of the technology can you explain maybe a little bit from your background on what you've read or how you understand maybe some of these terms like cryptocurrencies or maybe even just the blockchain technology can you explain a little bit of this so every time that i, I read up on blockchain i'm always amazed at how simple the concept is and then also i somehow forget what the concept is almost every time but but the general premise is like a decentralized means of manipulating data you have a something like a Excel sheet or something and everyone can see the Excel sheet. So if Betty makes a transaction here, 
you can see this ID number. Yeah, some sort of ledger or something like that. But but blockchain has capabilities beyond crypto. It's kind of that remembering the history of anything, which is a really simple concept of knowing that, you know, 10 years ago, I signed my will and I said this, and you have a history of that and it's digital. And then five years ago, I, I updated it you know, or something. And that, that could be used in a blockchain so that you can verify. It's not on a single computer that could be easily wiped out. It's on multiple different kind of nodes that allows access to repeatability and more security. Um, that's like the general idea of blockchain is like some, somewhat keeping a history, digital history of everything that makes things much more clear and simple. But the idea is that we're trying to make truth more discreet and more available. Like I paid this amount of money 10 years ago to this person and I have record keeping of that. There's a level of anonymity and indiscretion between that. So that's like my general gist. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you got you got a pretty decent grasp of it. And, and like a lot of the stuff is so, it's emergent. Uh, there's a lot of gray areas with, there's a lot of regulation now that's come out, um, but it seems like just within the last maybe 20 years, this technology has really just kind of like uh, grown by leaps and bounds. Essentially, one of the use cases, and I think this is really important for this conversation from, you know, because one of the things, one of the biggest critiques of, let's say the Bible, but maybe even just uh, history in general is how do we know that the evidence of historical events is as accurate as possible? Like, for instance, uh, how do we know that Julius Caesar was a real person? We got to find evidence. We got to look and see manuscripts, archaeologists, uh, scientists, you know, people will, will measure these things, even with computers and technology, they can run algorithms and things on these to compile all the different sources and they've done this there's projects uh, even from the new testament and old testament that have compiled all these different texts and what's interesting is that there's a ledger there's a system and some of these some of the newer technologies are using blockchain to categorize these discoveries and so what we see in the Bible, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, is that it's not because people in various religious denominations are closed off from the rest of society. These are scientists. These are brilliant people who didn't always believe. They came to this faith through obviously examining evidence. But what they're noticing is that these documents were very well preserved that there was a very high degree of accuracy. Now, translation efforts, uh, language has changed. So people would be like, oh, well, the modern English can't be identical to the ancient Greek writers. No one's saying that, but the, the actual information has not changed when you translate it correctly. When you apply the appropriate methods of interpreting the scripture, you're gonna see that consistent. And so what's interesting though, if we were to apply the concept of a blockchain, that concept of keeping a ledger, if you think about it with technology, all technology is really doing is recording events it's analyzing data and it's basically giving you an output of what that data is with a certain degree of accuracy. Now, here's the thing is if you work to technology and you and I work with technology, you know that you're not always going to get an accurate output. There's variables, there's, there's phenomena, there's things that just, there's bugs in the system. And so how do you reconcile the phenomena or maybe some of the, the ambiguity statistics or even some of the discoveries you make? And how does that correlate to how you experience life do the ones and zeros always match up in life well i mean i think i have a pretty to me it's almost non-climatic because it's a little bit too i don't know i hold a lot of beliefs and and a lot of them are kind of firm but loose at the same time somewhat fluid but i i feel like i'm probably not a good case study it's for me it's it's a bit too easy to both be sort of like agnostic and like not really hold too much weight into authoritative religion, if you will, 
or something like that. But then at the same time, I believe there's some sort of source and energy, what we call, a lot of people call God, in the universe. There's I think there's absolutely some sort of cosmic sense of order. And I think, like, um, I'm going to quote something that I've heard that I thought was probably one of the most brilliant things. Um, the idea of whether God exists or God doesn't exist or if, there's a, if we're just here randomly or not, the fact that we care about those questions, that we actually add any energy to it, might be the most evidence that there is some sort of other and to, so it's not actually the questions that matter it's the the human care of the questions that really speaks balance so that's a small tangent but so you you were asking like what do i fall back on and and to me it's pretty simple that there is some other source and i can believe that without necessarily having to submit my life to a cultural religion so i think i can quote unquote pay respects or whatever kind of good verb goes there you know um really interact with that source without having to necessarily subscribe to that that cultural aspect, which I think for me, because I, I grew up in the church and I grew up very Christian. And like in high school, I was ahead of the Christian club and I went to four different missions across the sea. I went to Belize three times. I went to Nicaragua once on mission trips. Very involved. I was part of the worship team at one point as well for like three years. So, I mean, I, I know a good amount of Christianity. I grew up, I was very engulfed. The most interesting part of Christianity for me is like mystical christianity and the only time i really feel like oh man that makes me want to be a christian is when i listen to a man called richard Rohr speak he's a franciscan priest and i hear him and he's he talks about kind of like the universality of all things and and to me that speaks a lot more to me than i was a sinner and and now i'm saved there's a lot of theological uh, like debates just within that one phrase that I think we, we kind of accept too easily, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to share with you a few exciting announcements that forcampus.org will be rolling out this coming season. Sometime around spring, we'll be hosting our first official outreach event. We'll be requesting volunteers to help engage with students, whether providing a listening ear, prayer, or passing out Bibles and other materials to encourage them in their walk with God. For more information about this event, check out the main page of four, that is the number four campus.org, or updates through Facebook and future podcast episodes. Now, let's get back to our guest. You hit on something pretty important, and uh, a couple, a couple things. I agree that we place a lot of emphasis, especially in America, historically, on I would say the outward expression of our particular beliefs, and that that is not just religious. That is political. That is social. That is uh, even technological. What we what we believe ought to happen, or should, or what was, or what needs to be. Uh, so the language is very important. And I would agree to a certain extent that religion is very dangerous if applied improperly and there's a control. And this is what we've seen historically with the church, the institutional church. And you'll see this in certain reformations throughout history. And I think we're kind of going through another one now uh, in your generation particularly because you're, you're, you're basically the lost generation. Your generation that's coming up either going to learn the Bible and the gospel or the found generation. Actually, that's a better... You know what? That is a really positive way to put that on there because I mean, you think about it like, yep, it's a blank campus i mean even you growing up in the church like you're still questioning for yourself like would you rather know the person the cosmic reality and significance of who jesus was what a god man looks like and here's the thing is if you look at the gospels 
And the Gospels are not, I feel like this is what gets missed a lot, is that, you know, we look at the Bible, we just think that you got to take the Old Testament God and the, and the New Testament Jesus and somehow reconcile the two. And, and the thing is, it's you're talking about a culture in a really different period of time where there's things in the culture that just we don't see nowadays. We don't see, like, we don't publicly stone people, at least in this part of the world. They, there are places where that happens. Uh, we don't sacrifice animals to high places. We don't typically see that kind of street level justice, but that's because of the culture that we live in today. You can very easily find these things depending on where you look and what rock you turn over. But in terms of like our society and how we're raised and how we're enculturated, it, it seems very archaic and how God worked through those cultures and those systems, we can look at from a certain moral vantage point and say, well, I, I disagree with that fundamentally. I see what looks like genocide. I see what looks like God calling people to do things that seems morally questionable. Now, here's the thing is, if we apply the proper hermeneutical, exegetical lens, like if we use the scripture, interpret the scripture, we don't see inconsistencies, but not everyone does that level of work. Just like people can make broad blanket statements about technology without ever having to do real computational algorithms and in, in code. Like it, it's not as simple as just clicking something. Like there's a lot of back in code. If you you know work in troubleshooting, you'll realize we don't fully re recognize what's going on behind the scenes, all the different things. But it sounds like you grew up having a lot of engagement with religion. How did you ever approach who Jesus was and how he lived and what that meant for you? How about that? Yeah, so I think the question, what you were going for before that as well, is whenever I meet or I talk to another person of faith, and I enjoy talking to you, you're pretty open-minded, but not everyone I talk to is very open-minded, and it can be a level of repetition over and over again. Um, if I tell them, hey, I was very Christian early on, the idea of having someone follow Christ and then quote-unquote not follow Christ is sort of a contradiction. And then it's the same with... I, you see this in, in diet culture. Someone says, oh, I was vegan for five years and it didn't work for me. And then a vegan who's been vegan for 10 years says, oh, you didn't do it right for five years. That's, it's impossible that you would quit veganism. You know, so, so there's always, if there's a follower who, who then leaves, the, the idea is not that it's the diet that's flawed. The idea is that it's the the person following it didn't follow the diet right. That's the same with religion in my experience. So around the age of 13, I personalized religion for myself. That's when I joined a youth group and I would pray every day. I would read the Bible on my own. I would do, you know, all the things. And I really... And I think that's probably part of the reason why I've never not seen myself as someone who, not even just not believe, like, I still believe in Christ, if that makes sense. Like, I never stopped believing in Christ, but I don't necessarily believe in Christianity. And I think there's a big difference there, because no matter which church I go to, and I want to kind of go back to church, you know, I'll have these phases, and so does my girlfriend. She wants to start being spiritual. And then we go back, and it's just kind of the same dogma, or the same ideas and the same concepts that I think are just a little bit too small for where I'm at. To answer your question, yes, I, I did personalize it. And I, f I feel like I had a healthy relationship with religion, uh, probably a lot better than most, which is why I still somewhat care about it, where a lot of people who are in my shoes 
have these issues and then they leave and, and the church doesn't realize that they have these issues because the people who have the issues leave and they never stick around <sighs> i struggle with the exact same things and even as a grown man same experience i was young i mean i still like you know when i was going to church i was still partying and still basically you know falling into sexual temptation all that other stuff but i mean really in my heart you're raising it but you're also raised knowing that there's some truth there that you're not really you're hearing a lot of things culturally but personally like i was praying i was reading the bible i was memorizing scripture i was remember i used to remember all the order of the books of the bible i can't even remember that now, but like i was really hungry um but what i think was a struggle was like i mean not only in my own upbringing divorced family lots of issues there my own identity struggles but i think the issue i was having is like I really wanted God to show up in like a real supernatural way and because my stepdad would tell me all the time like oh well God speaks to you I'm like what, what does he say like I need to know what that feels like I need to know what that is I didn't get that as a teenager and so I kind of fell away of course you're going to look for love somewhere you're going to look for understanding and truth somewhere and the wisdom you get from the world just never really settled with me I always just kind of wanted to know more and where my purpose was. And what's funny is later in life, when I became the age, it was like in my late 20s, I messed up my life so bad. My dad was still alive and he's like, you know, son, you should probably, you know, get some help. You should probably go to church. And that voice from my father telling me that, my dad was my best friend, like he was, he was my guy, he's my, my padre. That hearing it from him kind of was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. There was up the street was a church. This is a spirit-filled church. I went there and people were like speaking in tongues. Like there's some crazy stuff there, but like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. But I recognized that the people there were authentic. A part of me is just like, still kind of a little suspect. But what I started to do, and it wasn't like an imitation thing. It was like, I was really on a search for truth. Like, okay, I want to know if this is real. And so there's a part of which you have to commit to searching the truth. Like I, I started reading the Bible, like actually reading the Bible, I started in the gospels and you know what, like some things didn't really make sense at first, but at that age, I was ready to do the hard work myself. And I, and I watched, gosh, I wish I could have gone back and not watched so much YouTube stuff on this. Cause that kind of really led me into some weird stuff on ancient aliens. And that kind of leads you in like all these things that has like biblical like inferences, but like there's a lot of deception there that some of that stuff leads you into like no stick stuff and like yeah new age stuff yeah i mean as pertaining to that there's a lot of really smart people writing very convincing not necessarily factual arguments yeah and that's with a lot of things just basically in that pursuit at that period of my life what i had discovered and this was obviously you know i'd say a few years in about a year and a half almost two years in when jesus started to become more the center of my life what's crazy is and this is what's cool i was in a prayer group of men and you want to talk about existential stuff right here right it was any random sunday like i was just the same group of guys you know praying and so much of it was cultural at the time like to me it was i was renewing my mind with the scripture i was doing all the motions or so i thought and all of a sudden i'm praying and something changed like i remember it as clear as crystal like i don't get me confused now this isn't like trans meditation where you're projecting your conscious and uh, what do they call it like that's what i'm no, 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 but, 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 but hear, hear me out. It was an encounter with something that was both foreign and personal. It was a place of peace. It was a place of knowing. can tell you how long, maybe a few minutes. I had a friend who watched me. He said he actually looked at my face and I was smiling. 
but in the experience I was having, it was it was a sense of warmth, it was a sense of comfort. It was like I was running into the arms of a father, but it was so much more deeper and profound than that. And here's what's interesting: I've had other encounters like that, but where it ties to biblical God, Scripture, right? Because I can people have encounters all the time and experiences all the time. What I have experienced in other places, not just my testimonies, other people's testimonies, even the biblical the testimony of the Scripture is that it is a person that has all the same attributes and qualities that I look at when I look at Jesus. And what I had discovered, it wasn't because when I was younger and I wasn't doing the work, I was doing the work, I was older, but I think there's a point at which the humility, I had to come to a point where my ways as a human weren't working and the sin nature that was producing a negative fruit. And so when I started to live according to God's parameters, because I had all these bugs in my system, that kind of recompiled some of my thinking and that aligned me to a more sure way of how to approach issues in my own existence. And that, I think, is where God meets us sometimes to help guide us through to a more ready state or a more centered state. If Jesus is the way to reconcile us back to God, and if there is, if this is a dimension and there's a dimension outside of this, a heavenly realm, and if we know that this is, we're going to die because we recognize that, we could see that, that we're going to cease to be conscience, at least in the flesh, then how do we get back to the Father? How do we get back to eternity? with him. It, it only makes sense logically because if we're made in his image, he gives us an understanding of how to get back there. Well, the only way you can do it is if he himself can bring us back. Something yeah. equal to himself can lead us back to him. And that's the beauty about the cross. That's the beauty of, that's where Christ so, meets us back to him. I'm, I'm very familiar with the idea. Here's some of my issues. And I think we can actually have a really fruitful conversation this way. Because I have a lot of hope, but also a lot of issues when it comes to the church and Christianity. And one of these, the church teaches the gospel. I don't think it's just too watered down. I think it's in the design process of religion is slightly off. And I think where the design process is wrong is on a few interpretations, I think emphasize some of the lesser important parts of an ancient text that then miss maybe the more profound effects of an actual religion. A good question is, if we die, why is there even a necessity for another man to die as well? And, and this brings, and there's only one answer to this, really. And this is, this is where I think some of the, the emphasis is, is maybe malaligned. It comes down to, I think, current Christianity is based on the idea of hell. And hell is, sorry if, if this isn't where you want to go, but because I don't necessarily believe it's physically real, as in like in a different dimension with burning flames. Is it actually real in the sense of day-to-day -day life? Absolutely. You know, oppression and suffering and all that stuff, I think that's more representative of an actual hell. Um, but the idea that in order for us to get out of the matrix and go to heaven or to a good place with God and not go to a bad place, hell, we need a man in the Middle East to die for us. I think that's a weird concept. You know, and I don't think a lot of people point out that why would an omnipotent God who's way smarter than me choose the design choice to murder some Middle Eastern guy and then say, okay, you're good to go to heaven now. 
you know, why not just say, okay, after you die, you're going to be with me. I had an issue with the church because we were focused on Jesus bringing us to heaven. But I think that's mainly missing the point of Jesus teaching us to live now. Thank you for listening to Solomon's Knot, a production of 4campus.org and its associated partners. If you enjoyed this episode, please show your support by writing a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcasting platform. Also, if you've been listening for some time, please consider making a donation to this show. You can visit 4campus.org give using our secure payment system. The proceeds will directly benefit the students we serve and without whom this podcast simply couldn't happen. So until next time, this is Jason signing off. See ya.